0: everyone this is caleb and i am so grateful that you have decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me on the learner's corner podcast today i am honored to be joined by phil gorsky and sam perry to talk with them about their uh, recently released book the flag and the cross white christian nationalism and the threat to american democracy Now, if this is the first time that you are joining us here on the Learner's Corner podcast, I do want to let you know that there's three things that drive so much of what we do here on the podcast. And the first one is this, is that we truly want to create a safe place to have difficult conversations because just, and we're going to, you know, we're going to even talk about it. uh, One of those difficult conversations today of uh, Christian nationalism and even national nationalism and uh, just engaging in that and uh whenever you engage in in topics such as these are topics to where it could get very heated it could lead to a lot of division and discord and um in many cases anger and and rage and shame as well but here we want to create a place to where we can engage in these conversations and uh have productive and healthy and um and very civil and respectful conversations as well. The second thing is this, is that we truly believe that we can learn from anyone and from everyone, regardless of whether or not we agree with them completely on everything or 100%. And along with that, We truly believe that we can learn from everyone. And sometimes that is learning from an example of how to handle a situation. And other times it's learning from mistakes and maybe where we have gotten wrong and uh, going back and learning from those failures, from those mistakes as well. And the third one is this, is that we truly believe that we can learn from anything and from everything, uh, no matter what that is, because we believe that everything has something to teach us, that we can learn something from everything. Now, as I mentioned, today, we're going to talk uh, about a conversation that um, that can be very difficult to engage in. Um, but that's part of what the Learner's Corner is here for, to have these conversations. Now, I'll tell you about, uh, you know, Sam and uh, Phil here in just a moment. But what really got me uh, interested in this is, um, you know, going all the way back to... Um, Uh, It really came on my radar, you know, about a year and a half ago, uh, whenever the attacks on January 6th uh, happened, you know, the storming of the Capitol and all all of that stuff, and just wanting to to understand it better. And, you know, just um, for me, knowing that, yes, I did know about uh, white Christian nationalism and, you know, had seen it plenty in the news, and it just seems like everything had got taken to um, a new level on January 6th, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit. And, you know, I do want to mention that if you uh, have anything that you would love us to cover here on the podcast or, um, or have, you know, someone that you would love us to talk with or an idea uh, that you would love to learn more about the best way to reach out to me and let me know that is through learners corner podcast at gmail.com. Now, as I mentioned, I'm joined by Phil Gorski and Sam Perry. They're the recent authors of The Flag and the Cross, White Christian Nationalism, and the Threat to American Democracy. Now, let me tell you a little bit about them, and then we will jump in. Phil is the professor of sociology at Yale University and is a comparative and historical sociologist who writes on religion and politics in early modern and uh, modern europe and north america his work has been featured and discussed in the new york times the wall street journal npr and other national media outlets sam perry is the sociologist of american religion race politics sexuality and families and serves as associate professor of sociology at the university of oklahoma in addition to his scholarship and leading scientific journals he has written for outlets like the washington post and time magazine and his work has been featured in time the new yorker the economist the new york times and many other places as well They have authored uh, previous books uh, separately from each other. And to check all that out, you know, we'll link to their stuff um, and their websites in the show notes. But without any further wait, here is my conversation with Phil Gorski and Sam Perry. Well, Sam and Phil, it's so good to have you both on the Learner's Corner podcast today.
1: Great to be here.
2: Thanks for having us, Caleb.
0: Yeah, and you know, you've you've both recently uh, released this book that you've co-authored called "The Flag and the Cross," and it's about uh, white Christian nationalism. And I know that this this isn't the first book that you guys have written about this. And any time that I'm talking with somebody, I love hearing. Um, what got people interested in learning or, or discovering more about this topic? And so I would love to hear from the both of you of what got you interested in this idea of white Christian nationalism, and how did you both come together on this on this project?
2: Well, I can kind of, I, I can start off. So I kind of backed into the topic. Uh, you know, I was interested in the History of nationalism. How our modern conceptions of nationalism first arose, and um, realized through the historical research I did that the roots of it were religious, and that that kind of tuned me in, I think, to the way in which there is a, a kind of nationalism today that's that's not secular but uh, but but religious, and then. Well, certainly uh, during the the trump years it became clear to me that that was a kind of a major part of what was what was going on and um you know sam and i were just moving on parallel tracks but with somewhat different skill sets you know kind of me more of a historical and cultural sociologist and more of a kind of quantitative sociologist of Religion who works with uh, public opinion data. And we just thought, all right, you know, we're kind of on the same page here, and uh, our skill sets are really complementary. So, uh, and it's, it's an important message to get out there. So, we decided to try to put together this, this book that kind of summarizes, um, you know, the results of a lot of our research over the years.
0: Yeah. And
1: how about for you, Sam? What, le- what led you to this? certainly yeah, to to Phil uh also backed into this kind of this kind of research uh, a colleague and I Andrew whitehead were were writing a series of uh studies on really on on tolerance generally tolerance for non-traditional families and outsiders uh, to the American kind of like dominant culture um, and uh, and we we actually just we stumbled upon some data that had some interesting measures on on what we didn't know <laughs> uh we didn't know to call christian nationalism at the time but we just had these really interesting indicators. And we found that they were just powerfully associated with say intolerance, stuff that was weird, like stuff, I mean, things that, things that you would expect it to be um, associated with like, so for example, Christian nationalism was strongly associated with intolerance towards say like gay marriage or civil unions and that kind of thing. But in other circumstances, it was associated with intolerance toward like interracial marriage. Uh, like why, why on earth, you know, like why, why would that, why would those things, even though these measures say nothing about race. And so that led us to suspect that there is this connection between what we now call white Christian nationalism and really a a vision uh, of America where people know their proper place and they are with people like them and not with people like us. And and uh, and so I I think when when Trump came along, uh, we we got a hold of some new data and we found that it was just uh, this really powerful predictor of support for Trump, uh, and for support for everything that Trump was about, uh, that, you know, his, his, opposition to immigration, his view on Muslims, his, uh, his, uh, his support for, you know, extreme nationalistic, you know, patriotism or not even patriotism, just nationalism. And we, we've, you know, I think along with Phil, we were reading Phil's stuff is really historical tracing out of, of, of the, the roots of American religious nationalism and all of those. And it just really dovetailed perfectly with the things that we were finding in this empirical data. So like Phil said, we just uh, we had complementary uh, skill sets that we could put together towards a, uh, a better understanding of what's going on right now at this current political moment.
0: Yeah, and I'd, I'd love for you guys to tease out um, kind of what what is Christian nationalism and how it separates itself from just general nationalism in general.
2: Uh, so one way of thinking about white Christian nationalism is as a, what we call a deep story. And this idea of the deep story really goes – Back to the work of sociologist Arlie Russell Hochschild, and what what it means is it's it's a story that um, is often just implicit, right? It just colors. So it's like the lenses that people see see the world through that they use to interpret what's what's going on around them. So it's, it's sometimes it's something that they're not even you know kind of completely aware of. It's sort of the water they swim in and and, and the air they air they breathe and. You know, basically, that story runs something like this. America was founded as a Christian nation. It was founded by Orthodox Christians. It's been blessed with special power and prosperity. And the reason for that is it has a special mission to spread uh, freedom and religion uh, around the world. But uh, the country is increasingly kind of being invaded and degraded by people who Aren't white, aren't native-born, aren't Christian, and that threatens the the mission and and the prosperity. So you know we've gotta gotta take our country back. I mean that that's that, that's kind of the the story. And um, you know I think where we sort of saw saw things dovetailing is that this also connects with a with a political vision that you know, as Sam was saying, brings together things that you wouldn't necessarily think of logically as belonging together and you wouldn't necessarily think of it theologically being christian um maybe sam can speak to that
1: yeah i mean i think this is this is a uh, one of the fascinating things about that you know what we're what we're diving into i mean it's certainly white christian nationalism has this has this vision of the kind of country that we feel like that that, that this this myth of america's special relationship with god but also this kind of vision for the kind of country america should be and it's powerfully shaped by uh by the idea that the right people should be on top there should be some kind of a social order that in which hierarchies are built in uh and and they're very firm boundaries between groups uh and and the way you enforce those boundaries is Whatever it's a very pragmatic, any means necessary kind of kind of kind of thing that does not I I don't think prioritizes Christian uh, neighborly Christ-like kind of I- ideas of the, the the means being important right like in this case it's the ends justify the means and and if the ends are the sacred traditionalist Christian order then the means can be authoritarian violence control uh, support for um, you know, I think unChristian means to bring about Christian ends. Uh, but but all of this all of this thing is in, in and I you know I, I assume we'll talk about this eventually. But this is uh, there is a very uh, a very at the core of this is a very us versus them kind of mentality. And this is what makes it I think, and mm-hmm. we can talk about this more. Caleb is is what makes this so antithetical to I think uh, many many understandings of what we think a Christian uh, would value and prioritize is. You know, Christians modeling their life after Christ, uh, who gave his life for his enemies and, you know, and and, and died for his enemies and did not want to, uh, you know, didn't see his life as a, a me against my enemies. You know, and, and uh, Christian nationalism is very much not us for our enemies. It is it is us against our enemies who are trying to take what is ours and corrupt what is God's uh, and by 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 extension ours.
0: Mm. Yeah, one of the things that I was very curious uh, to hear from you guys in is I love like whenever learning about something new. I love uh, trying to figure out what are the subtle ways in which we are being influenced, whether that be, and you you guys get an, a lot of this into the book as well, whether that be through the historical factors or the or the social factors as well. And I would just love uh, to hear from you guys and, you know, Phil, maybe maybe starting with you on some of the historical uh, side of it. What are some of the historical events that have influenced and got us to that point to where it is it is in us versus them? And then maybe, you know, on, on the backside, hearing about what are some of the other factors that have influenced this us versus them mentality?
2: Well, I guess if you wanna go way, way back to the the very beginnings of white Christian nationalism, and that really takes us back to the New England Puritans in in the late 17th century. So, you know, we're talking 1670, 1680, 1690, a really long time ago. But, you know, the deep story is that deep. It does go back that far. it is that sort of uh, hardwired into our culture. What, what one thing that was really crucial was the the conflicts between the New England settlers and uh, the Native peoples. You know, it was really really brutal and devastating warfare uh, during during that period. And you know, one of the ways in in which uh, the Puritan tried to justify these conflicts themselves was. And one was sort of think think about themselves as being kind of a new Israel, and uh, New England as being uh, their promised land. And so, this was the land that God had promised to them, and it was being occupied by these, you know, Canaanites or Amalekites. And just as the biblical Israelites, in some accounts, kind of drove that drove out the Canaanites and slaughtered the Amalekites, uh, they felt entitled to do the same. Or Alternatively, they would sort of see it through an apocalyptic lens. You know that the the second coming is imminent, and these are the end times, and these are literally demonic forces that they're battling, battling against, and they're doing this battle to to end evil, to combat Satan, to clear the path for Jesus. So that's that's how that's how deep this this actually goes back. So. Some of those, some of those early wars with the you know, with the Native Americans, I think were really, really formative, really formative in ways, you know, we don't really still fully grasp, right? You know, why is it that there is kind of, uh, you know, so much actual violence in the United States, and why are, are Americans so quick to think that violence is a solution uh, to problems? Whether you know, that's in the kind of on the in the fantasy world of you know video games and uh, Marvel Universe movies, or uh, kind of post-apocalyptic novels, or um, you know kind of in the real world of American foreign policy, uh, where people just kind of poo-poo diplomacy and you know uh, think always that the, that the military action is the best solution to, to any kind of problem. That's a very common uh, mode of thought in the U.S. I think.
0: Yeah. I want to touch, I want to touch on that aspect of violence because that is, that is something that, um, it just gets me, uh, it just makes me think because, you know, even going back to what you were saying, Sam, there's this contradiction between, you know, the way of Jesus, which is, which is a nonviolent path. And then you have uh Christian nationalism, which is very much in, in violence. And I would just love to hear you guys' thoughts on just that, that contradiction as well. And, um, just kind of the thinking behind that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know Phil's written on this uh, some, but I think the expression of Christian nationalism, uh, you know, is is uh, is very different from other kinds of what, what you might call American civil religion, which is uh, which which draws on different parts of the Bible. So uh, you know, American civil religion historically. Draws on the prophetic traditions of 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 the Bible that talks about how let, let justice roll like a river, you know, like that 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 we we are to called to be uh, a just and equitable society. Uh, at that 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 uh, we have we have these resources from whatever divine source uh, gave us these great resources. We have an obligation to be good stewards. Uh, and to create a just society. That's civil religion. But this white Christian nationalism really draws on different parts. And so uh, uh, the parts of the Old Testament that, and certainly not the New Testament, but yeah. parts of the Old Testament that say that, you know, this is our land and we are to go in and, and you can argue whether this is a misinterpretation of these passages, but this is our land. We are to go in and conquer. Uh, we're to to maintain blood purity. Uh, we're to 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 bring about through bloody conquest, the dominance of our group over this this other group and it's rightfully ours and so you see this to phil is able to trace this thread through american history that that this is oftentimes when white christians anglo christians confronted the other uh they often drew upon these narratives uh that that this is that we are god's chosen people and we are called to bring about these these goals and so when you when you equate your own national story the story with you as a people with that kind of old testament referent Um, it allows justification for any means necessary to accomplish the universal goals. And in fact, this is what we're seeing now with, uh, you know, combine that with, say, like apocalyptic, uh, prophetic uh, theology that says this is a really a cosmic battle between good and evil, and Satan is on one side and God's people on the other. Um, What we're actually seeing empirically, and Paul Jupe who's a political scientist, is, is really brought to bear some really interesting data on this as well, but he, we, we're finding that uh, white Christian nationalism, especially of the more virulent, uh, like violent kind of uh, type, is 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 really uh, prominently represented among premillennial dispensational uh, kind of folks that believe that this is this is all going to come to a head. This is this is this is we're moving towards the end times, and also those who are gripped by a prophetic. Uh, you know uh belief in 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 a, in a very uh kind of that there is uh religious evil uh, demonic uh forces out there that are that are being brought against god's people in the in the church so combine that with christian nationalism, this belief that something is being taken from god's people that we are being attacked that we are being persecuted and uh amplify that with a theology that says this is a, a cosmic battle between good and evil and so it creates both the justification uh, for the response, and the and the the uh, the justification for the for for the the extremity of the response. That is, we we can engage in righteous violence. We can we can respond. Uh, in this way, and you know, and and we find that that uh, this is and this is something that's uh, I think fascinated me over the last uh, few uh, months, this last year. I've been working with a, a team of uh, clinical psychologists, social psychologists who are doing all of these experiments, and uh, they published a paper recently showing that Christian nationalism, in fact, is a is in many ways a re- response to the perception that you are under threat, that you are being attacked. So what they did is they manipulated this with a, a, an experimental design. Uh, and what they did is they told a bunch of white Christians uh, about uh, how their 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 demographic category, Christians, are diminishing in the United States, uh, and you know they're like they're going to be a minority by this you know time. And they they made them think like, okay, our group is is really diminishing and we're you know under threat. And they actually responded with greater Christian nationalism. In other words, they were more likely to say, well, this is our nation and this is a nation for us and you know for people like us. And so this is exactly I think what we're keying on in the book is that is that. The white Christian nationalism we're, we're witnessing, and especially the violent kind, is a response to some realities, right? Like some realities being that like white Christians are diminishing in terms of the percentage of the population. They know this and they know that power is on the wane. Uh, and so what do they have to do? Well, they have to respond with with a, a very uh, overt and militant and even radical uh, um Exhibition of of strength, and they have to rally around strong leaders who are going to promise to rescue them and bring back something that was taken from them. Uh, And so I think that's exactly what we've witnessed within the last seven years, this love affair with Donald Trump, which is which has become a love affair with Putin. I mean, you can actually see some of this stuff Mm -hmm. bleeding over. And and I was just looking up uh, quotes from this this morning. Uh, You can see the same kind of thing, but it's it's the same attraction to strongman, authoritarian. Don't take crap from anybody. Uh, traditionalist, you know, morals that you can enforce upon a population. I mean, it's all—it's all kind of—it's all kind of there. So the theology is there, but also this perception of demographic uh, transition and threat that scares them.
0: Yeah, and just just as you were talking, it, it had—it gave me this thought, and I would love your guys' thoughts on it too. Is it almost makes me think of um, we have we have taken the responsibility or the pressure of being God and put it on ourselves. Or we have been looking for it in someone else, and so we feel the need to do X, Y, and Z thing to usher in what we believe that God is bringing in. Or we look for someone who is leading that charge for doing that. Any thoughts on that?
2: Hmm. Well, I, I would just uh, start by quoting Abraham Lincoln, who, uh, or paraphrasing him, he basically said that the only time that you know God's, you're able to discern God's will is when you when you violate it. Um, but I, I just I want to make a, a somewhat broader point, uh, following up on on what Sam said, which is, you know, it, it, we're not we we're not amongst folks who argue that religion is inherently violent or Christianity is is in, is, is inherently bad, and I, I think that's why it's so important that Sam brings up uh, you know the way in which uh, sort of white Christian nationalists. Pull very hard on a few strands within when, within the Bible, and have to pull really really hard to find anything in the New Testament in particular that really supports their their worldview. You know, they always go to the Book of Revelation, uh, and they always go to a few passages in the, the kind of historical parts of, uh, of, of, of 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 the Old Testament um, because you know if you're looking for justification for you know, violence. Um, you know, where else? Where else are you going to go? Um, it's just otherwise, it's just it's just really not there. It's so contrary, um, I think, to the sort of plain meaning, of the kind of red letters um, in uh, you know in the in, in Christian scripture, um, you know, Jesus did not say, "Let's throw stones to everybody's windows. Let's be the war makers." You know, you see somebody on the ground, give them an extra kick. I mean, that's not—it's not what I learned, um, and I, you know, I don't think its I think it's true to the message. But that's kind of the the Jesus that a lot of white Christian nationalists have made. And I think the other thing I would say is that you, know, you have to understand that Christian nationalism is a spectrum, right? I mean, there are moderate versions of it and extreme versions of it. And Sam and Andrew were very careful to emphasize this point. And, so there are a lot of folks who will, out there who will say well gosh you know i don't really know anybody who's like that um, or i only know a few people who are like that but let's just say that only five or ten percent of the population um, in the united states really falls in this hardcore white christian nationalist perspective i think the thing you have to understand is that while democracies are made by majorities autocracies are made by minorities well-organized Militant minorities who are ready uh, to violate norms and and use violence, and this is really the warning that we and others are are issuing is that we're approaching that kind of kind of critical mass where we may really have that five to ten percent, and so we're especially concerned about the upcoming elections twenty two, but especially especially twenty four, uh, where we could see violence erupting. On a scale that will make the J6 insurrection look like a minor tumbler.
0: Yeah, and I want to go back to something that you just mentioned, Phil. You talked about like the spectrum on it. And I think it could be very easy for us to look at the very far end of the spectrum and go, I'm not inciting violence. I'm not doing this. I'm not, you know, X, Y, and Z or doing doing that thing. Um and I would just love to hear from your guys' perspective of Okay, so we're probably not on the far end of the spectrum, but what does like what does the middle look like, or what does the the light person who is you know maybe subtly being influenced like what does what does that look like?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So we, I mean, I, I think that that is actually where the the majority of Americans fall. Like, so we actually find that that most Americans are not on the extremes. Uh, like on so many issues, Americans really cluster around the middle because they're just kind of. Uh, most americans and this is i think this is important to keep in mind as we talk about politics the, the the extremes get all the attention they're the ones who are the loudest they're the ones who are the most active and they're really engaged and and they should be we should be concerned about them because they are the ones who are are, are the ones who are the most likely to be organized and engaged and kind of moving the needle right Most Americans, though, are moderate. They don't know what they think. And they really are just kind of living their lives, (laughs) frankly, like they're just they're just on, you know, and watching Netflix And, and 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 if to the extent that they are engaged in any kind of political discussion on Twitter, most of them are probably just watching the show rather than really contributing anything of their own kind of like thought. So that being said, most Americans, even even when we kind of put together these scales of Christian nationalism, cluster around the middle because. Frankly, we do have the United States has a complex relationship with Christianity. It's it's, um, you know, I think John Fia, who is a historian at Messiah College and has written a great book on, you know, it was America founded as a Christian nation. It's a very fair book, I think. And uh, and he you know, his answer to that question is America's relationship with Christianity is it's complex uh, because we. We have this Christian heritage. There is a, a strong Christian heritage. The vast majority have been Christians and, and said Christian things and, and thought Christian thoughts and like used the Bible as, a, as this, you know, a, a framework or a language at least. Um, and yet we have this kind of like secular law and the secular constitution and all of this kind of precedent for that as well. So most Americans recognize that jumble, uh, that confusion of just America's like, yes, separation of church and state is good, but. You know, prayer in public schools, I don't know, like I'd like for my kid to be able to pray in public schools or to wear crosses around their necks or I want to put a nativity scene in my front yard and not feel weird about it, you know, like, and so um, we have this we have or, or you know, uh, Christian values like it'd be great as a Christian myself I would I would like it if my government like Christian values I think are a good thing and I would like my government to, to reflect some of that you know. Um, without, without explicitly saying like, we are a Christian nation and you have to be, you know. So all that to say, I think most Americans are, are moderate and not engaged with the question of like, hey, how do we bring about a theocracy or how do we fight the theocracy? Like most Americans just aren't even on, on the page there. Uh, that being said though, um, I think there is a, I, I think because of that latent uh, draw of this kind of Christian nation narrative, Uh, And that it's connected to perceptions of like, who are we as a country that is there and present to be activated by, uh, I think, savvy politicians who want to stoke fear into audiences and to make them feel like, hey, something is being taken from you. Let me tell you what it is. It's this and it's this and it's this. Doesn't that make you mad? Doesn't that make you want (laughs) to want to fight back against all of these outside threats, the immigrants, the secularists, the globalists, all these people who want to take what's what's yours? Whether that is true or not, and I don't think it is true, uh, I think that's there to be activated. And so what we want to do, I think, there there are there are folks on the far right that like are going to pan our book. They're not going to read it, <laughs> like they're they're not. You know, we understand that, but but who we want to talk to is we want to talk to this engaged group in the middle, that so that we can say like, hey, you know, there, there are going to be voices. And there are voices right now who I think want to recruit you into this effort. To, to, to undercut what makes us a strong democracy and, and to weaken those kinds of like guardrails. Uh, what Levitsky, Stephen Levitsky and Daniel Ziblatt in their book, How Democracies Die, called guardrails of democracy. They wanna help you weaken those guardrails of democracy. And we wanna give them kind of a, you know, a narrative and some tools to say, hey, this is not, this is not America. This is not where we wanna go. This is not even Christian at all. Uh, and so I think that's kind of what we're, we're trying to do in our, in our, in our book.
0: Yeah, could you talk about um, maybe some some things that we could be on the lookout for, some some sayings that you just hear that are like, hey, watch out for this person because they they may not be promoting democracy through it. Like what are some things or some behaviors or just some things or some rhetoric that you, whenever you hear it, you go, okay, I'm not like – it may not be a, a no, I'm not voting for that person, but I need to pay more attention. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned by it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm.
2: Well, one for me would be talk about spiritual warfare, which you hear hear increasingly and, you know, which increasingly gets kind of cast and cast in political terms so that, you know, everything that's going on in your life, you know, did you find a parking space near your, near the store? You know, did you catch that cold or not? How did your kid do in Little League the other day? It's like part of some gigantic cosmic drama. And, you know, there are these forces, which include, you know, globalists and humanists and secularists and socialists and, you know, whatever lists, you know, who are just trying to, they're trying to destroy you. They're trying to destroy you. Um, I mean, that's that's rhetoric I I really, really worry about, um, you know, because my view, and I think this is a Christian view, is that the line between good and evil does not, run between peop- does not run between people, it runs through people. And, you know, to think that you are, are always on the side of good and that everything that befalls you is because of somebody else or some power that's working against you. And then they connect that to, to politics. I mean, that's a, that's a very dangerous road to go down because it does authorize this kind of by any means necessary view. Uh, you know, which is just antithetical to democracy. I mean, you know, on the on the plus side, I would, say, though, I would say, you know, things to, points to reinforce is, you know, look, I mean, religious freedom in America has been good for American Christianity. And, you know, yeah. or to put it even more pointedly, so far in our history, democracy and Christianity have uh, been really complementary to, to one another. And I, I think what a lot of folks who are you know, pull towards this more author- authoritarian drift. Don't quite realize is historically kind of these authoritarian marriages between church and state have been really bad for Christianity. You want to know why there are there are so few practicing Christians in Western Europe? That's why. That's why. Um, and so you know, going down that road, it's it's not just sort of damaging to Christian witness in various ways, it's just, it's gonna be damaging to Christian churches in the long run. Frankly, there's pretty good reason to believe statistical evidence that Sam, I'm sure could could, could cite, that has already had a very negative effect on American Christianity, especially amongst younger generations of Americans.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I could give you some really uh, some really quick ones that I feel like are are they spell disaster for uh, let's 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 speak in terms of like Christians trying to preserve their witness in the world, right? Yeah. Like, so they they want to have a positive influence on Christ's behalf and be salt and light wherever they happen to be, and they want to be good citizens just because Christians have always been good citizens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is that is like the early church like they were good citizens they bragged about this like hey we're good citizens we're the kind of citizens that you want in in a society we're not these kind of outsiders that you make us out to be so i would say uh four of them uh, four come off the top of my head so one is is buying the, into conspiracy theory uh so like to the extent that 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 politi- that politicians and pundits are peddling conspiracy theories like these kind of secret insider cabals of sex trafficking pedophile democrats like who are who are doing like like, it doesn't mean like you have to like Democrats at all or their policies, but like the conspiracy theories about like stolen this or that uh, are that are easily debunked, debunked by Republicans, <laughs> you know, like those, I would say those things are huge red flags that somebody is trying to just take advantage of your fear and anger uh, to, to bring about their own political goals. Uh, I would say this culture that has emerged within the last few years of almost a, almost, I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not a worship of violence, but it's a veneration of, of violent masculinity of like, we need to take back like, what is, what is a real man? And, and, and a respond to this kind of feminization of the church and feminization of house, you know, like uh, I'm not making any claims about like, whether or not there should be, I'm not making claims about here, like about gender roles or those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. Like, I, I think there are people who, who believe that God has given gender roles? Who who are not those kinds of hyper masculine, militant masculinity kind of kind of people? Yep. But but you are seeing this reaction to the the Jesus and John Wayne kind of thing that says like we need to double down on like you know guns and violence and MMA and just everything that is like you know. Vi- and I think that is feeding into this kind of idea of like, you know what the solution to, to our problems is, is more tough guy violence like on, on, in Jesus's name. So I think that's a huge like red flag in my mind. Um, I would say a, like a, along with, this is just something that I think Trump was able to ride uh, at the time was, and we, we can show this statistically that, that even more than Christian nationalism, like the strongest predictors of your support for Trump at the time were uh, fear of Muslims and fear of immigrants. Um, And those things are all kind of together. Christian nationalism, fear of Muslims, fear of Emily, those things are all kind of like different sides of the same uh, coin. But to the extent that that you are being told that outsiders, uh, these evil, dirty, uh, you know, wicked outsiders are trying to besmirch, rape, kill uh, uh, and and uh, take away uh, what is rightfully yours. Uh, You know, like reasonable people can disagree about the, the best path like that immigration should go. And like, how do we think about immigration as a society? And yet the, the vitriolic hatred towards outsiders, I think, is, is is suggests that this is no longer a Christian emphasis here, <laughs> that, that this has become hijacked, I think, by political purposes. The last one I would say is, uh, is um, we can also overlook this. I mean, it, it used to be the Christian community was really prided themselves on, on, on valuing character in their leaders. Um, and, and it has become the case where I think conservative Christians are now saying, um, with Trump and Putin as examples, uh, he may be a horrible person, uh, but he's our horrible person. You know, like he's for us. He fights for us. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a, man, that's a dangerous place. I think for the church to align themselves, uh, align themselves with like, just kind of, I, we are going to stand behind this person that we know is not a, a good person at all. Uh, and yet who else do we have? Like, I think that's, well, you have Jesus, right? You have, you have the yeah. ki- you have a kingdom, you have a kingdom that is not of this world. Right. So like, I, I'm not sure. And I'm not saying like, I think our, the accusation against us could be like, hey, are you just telling Christians to shut their mouths in politics and roll over? Is that really the game here? And I'm not saying that. I think, you know, Christians should be able to vote their values. That's inevitable anyways. But I think, you know, saying, oh, we don't have other options is I think it's just a really kind of hands in the air, kind of giving up. Okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that that's the best the <laughs> the best, the best defense.
0: Yeah. Uh, one thing that I wanted to make sure that I asked you guys about is you know we we've talked a lot about you know Christian nationalism and so on and so forth and and what what people contend uh, to look like um, and i would just love your guys' thoughts on how do you engage in conversation with people who, uh, who find themselves you know entrenched in Christian nationalism or they're they're uh, repeating the rhetoric i would love your guys' thoughts on how do you how do you have productive conversation or what have you learned about engaging in conversation with uh with people
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's a, that's a, you know, that's that's a really difficult, uh, I think challenge that we find ourselves in because I think because of this phenomenon over the last 10 years of just siloed information sources, um, we've, we've gotten to the point where like, not only is our, is our rhetoric polarized, but our information sources are completely different now. And we, we can actually, we, we talk about this in the book some, and we can show you statistics on this is that, uh, People who score high on Christian nationalism, like really high, uh, they tend to distrust every news source except for a handful. Like not even a handful. I mean, it's like Fox News and Breitbart, and increasingly things like OAN and Newsmax, and just a very, very like set group. And then you've got all the other Americans who are watching CNN and you know MSNBC or you know, or whatever. And so on those different sh- on those different. of sources, you're getting completely different information. I'm not, I don't mean just different slants on the same information. I mean, completely different facts sometimes. So I don't, I don't think um, you can, I don't think you can approach these relationships now where like, Hey, we're going to do battle and like figure out because you're, you're just completely citing different things and you you just don't, you know? So uh, I think relationships have to be built though. Like, and I think, uh, I think a great way to do this, Uh, a a really, a really negative consequence of the last like polarization of the last two decades has created a situation where kind of all politics is national now. Like for all of a sudden, all of a sudden, like politics has become such an, like an all encompassing thing. Like who are the Democrats and who are the Republicans that I now, for some reason, have to know who my dog catcher, are are they Republican? Are they Democrat? You know, like, or, or my city council, my school board, all these kinds of things. And, really like, I think knowing people in your own community and knowing the politics of your own community doesn't require us to do battle in those kinds of ways. Like we can actually just think about our communities and get to know people. So I really wish, I mean, you know, I think it's uh, all that to say, Caleb, I think the answer to the question is we need to have more, uh, we need to have more interpersonal relationships with people who are not like us across that political spectrum. That is a problem because of siloed, like relationships on social media, but also just our relationships in real life. Like churches are like, so since the 2020 election, there's evidence that like churches have started sorting, right? Like in response to whether or not your pastor said something woke following George Floyd protests, or he said something about Trump in the 2020 election, uh, people are kind of leaving one church and going to another. And so you don't even have the opportunity to interact with people who might think differently from you on politics. So I think it it is in come upon us all to develop relationships with people who may not agree with us in every respect, but we are willing to have those conversations and love them through those relationships and let them see that like, Hey, somebody who disagrees with me, isn't a monster. You know what I mean? Like that's, we need to humanize one another in that way. Yep.
0: You know, toward, towards the end of the book, you, you start, you guys both start talking about it. You know, Phil, you mentioned it a little bit, um, that if we if we don't address if we don't address this, then we are heading towards more violence, as well in even uh, greater uh, things as, as you guys say. Maybe even greater than what happened on January sixth. And I would just love for your guys' thoughts on two things specifically. What would you say uh, as we as you know maybe fellow Christians can do to help? In this, or help prevent this, or what is our role in this? And then I would just love your guys' thoughts on like what is like the greater like church's responsibility, or what what can the greater church do um, as well in regards to this?
2: Those are great questions, Caleb, and I do think that uh, churches and church leaders and people in the pews have a really vital role to play here, in part because. Uh, There's just so much distrust, uh, you know, distrust of, uh, you know, elites, which, you know, I guess by some definitions, you know, Sam and I are elites. We're sociologists, or at least in this context of speaking, is as sociologists. And there's a lot of people who just aren't going to distrust anything that we say for that reason. And so I think that it's it's important, therefore, you know, for folks um, to, you know, kind of as Christians or as as Christian leaders um, to, speak, to speak to others, um, I, I think related to that is I think you know we have to realize that sometimes the problem that we have here is not sins of commission so much as sins of omission. Sort of people just being quiet, going with the flow, not not, not speaking up. Um, you know, even you know when there are, are things going on um, that they really just can't be can't be okay with because that just allows the most militant uh voices uh to win i mean i think um, um how one does that i think is uh, requires a certain kind of artfulness and and winsomeness i am not pretending it's easy and i do think that um in many conflicts it will be uncomfortable and will probably um generate conflict in some place. of course it's already doing that and in 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 many in many congregations, uh, but uh, you know certainly as as Sam said, a lot of this really will have to uh, happen through sort of uh, building and cultivating relationships with people who we just disagree with, and um, and having more face to face interactions. I, I think uh, you know a lot of what's led to the kind of toxicity in our culture is this possibility of of kind of anonymized uh uncivil interaction with people and social social media you know um and you know sort of role models of incivility on cable news or uh social media or youtube or wherever uh who uh you know kind of like yeah you know boy you really own them you really trolled them you really showed them you really called them out um I think that's harder to do in, uh, for most people and just real you know, face-to-face interaction. But I don't know. I think this goes a little beyond, you know, our expertise here as, as sociologists, I think you kind of need uh, psychologists and conflict mediators and, uh, you know, pastoral counselors and people like that with more and more knowledge and experience. than Sam and I have, um, you know, our, which really doesn't just go beyond much beyond our personal lives.
1: I would say, uh, I you know I think to the extent that Christian nationalist ideology responds to fear and anger uh, I think I think helping helping our congregations you know uh, to understand I mean I think from a from a Christian perspective uh, I think there is so little to be fearful of <laughs> like and ultimately in an ultimate sense right like that's yeah. that, that really is an anti-Christian and I don't mean like everybody deals with mental health challenges everybody has anxieties about the things that they're dealing. Dealing with in life, but like I think, to to where this this fear and anger about your situation, the current state of our country or our culture, or whatever, to where you feel aggrieved, where you feel wrong, you feel outraged, and you want to respond with, I think, this kind of like I think extreme uh, rhetoric and, and response. You know, I think that I think that points to some, uh, if I can use the the language, idols uh, that 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 are some misunderstandings at the very least. That 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 things have been, you know, that we're, we're we're perhaps not understanding our position. Uh, as as people who don't really have anything to be fearful or or, or super angry uh, about in that in that regard um and i i, I will also say like i think the uh, uh something that we try to do uh into just our our own on our own part to tone down the rhetoric is is, we really don't like referring to people as Christian nationalists. Like if we can avoid that, we try. And it's like, I think that's something I'm very intentional about because that's like calling somebody a fascist or like a racist. Like it just shuts down the conversation immediately. Like to say you're a Christian nationalist, even though I think we get, we get pressured a lot to say like, who are the Christian nationalists? Are you saying I'm a Christian nationalist? Is he a Christian nationalist? Is Billy Graham a Christian nationalist? So like it, you know, I think we get, we get this kind of pressure to like who is in and who is out. Like it's this kind of clinical diagnosis. Like we're just kind of saying that you're, you're this or that tribe. And we want to talk about this as a spectrum, as an ideology, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's, it's something that you can more or less believe in or like have be gripped by because that, that makes the enemy, not, not the people, the it's the, it's the, uh, it's the ideas that we feel like are, are toxic and unhelpful, right? It's that culture. And so that really is what I want to target is, is I don't want to fight people. Like I I want to fight this ideology that I feel like is really harmful and un-American, un-Christian and unhelpful.
0: Yeah. Well, I got one other thing I want to ask you guys, but before that, um, is there anything just top of mind for either one of you that you want to make? And I know there's a lot more that we could cover in the book too, but is there anything just top of mind uh, in regards to our conversation that you want to make sure that we talk about?
2: Maybe one thing that's worth mentioning is uh, that Sam has already pointed to is the increasing merger uh, of white Christian nationalism with secular conspiracy theories. And a very good example. Of this is, of course, QAnon. Um, you know, and we know from work that uh, Paul Choup and uh, Robert P. Jones and others have done that. There's a lot of uptake of the QAnon conspiracy theory uh, amongst uh, white Christian conservatives and Christian conservatives more more generally. And, um, you know, that's, that, that, that's really, really worrisome. Um, I mean, it really kind of stokes just, you know, spiritual warfare rhetoric. Um, you know, I mean, look, if you really think that all Democratic politicians are baby-killing, blood-eating, pedophilic satan worshipers, like what do you do with people like that, right? Well, you know, by any means necessary, right? Uh, that's something I do, that's something I really worry about, worry about quite a bit, and I do think that 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 in particular um, is a place where more faith leaders really need to kind of step up and uh, draw some very clear lines.
0: Anything for you, Sam?
1: Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I think some of what we just want to underscore is that this is not a, none, none of this is meant to attack uh, Christians at all, or Christians in politics, Christian patriots at all. You know, like we like Christian patriotism is good. Like, you know, we actually in the preface, like, or in the very introduction, we talk about like how, you know, I think this, it's important to be. And there's a difference between patriotism and nationalism that I think is an important distinction to make. But we also are not like, this isn't a book about white evangelicals. When we say that at the beginning as well. Like, this isn't about. Hey, wh- how white evangelicals have ruined everything. You know, like we're not saying that like, this is, this is about again, the ideology of like white Christian nationalism that to be fair, white evangelicals have embraced more than most, but there are lots of white evangelicals who are appalled by a lot of the mm-hmm. things that we're talking about and rightly so. And so like, I think we want to make sure that nobody is able to, uh, to feel personally like, Hey, you're coming after my people, right? Like we're, that's, that's, that's really not the goal is, is, is we want to confront that ideology that we feel like is, is, is taking us in the wrong direction.
0: Yeah. And the last thing I want to ask you guys, and we, we've touched on this, uh, quite a bit. Um, and Sam, I think you explicitly uh said it, if, uh, the complexity that comes between Christianity and our, and our, uh, and our country is one. Mm-hmm. Well. I would just love to hear uh from you guys of what helps you, um, uh, deal with that tension or just na- navigate through that con- that tension or that complexity for you guys. Maybe starting with Phil and then Sam giving you the last word.
2: Sure. Oh boy, I mean, you know, the, the relationship between Christianity and politics has always been incredibly complicated right right from the very beginning. You have to remember that Christianity was born a kind of uh, people who were on the margins of the Roman Empire who were in some ways, sort of suspect from from the beginning because they sort of refused to go along with the kind of Roman uh, cult of, of of worship. And um, you know, theologians from the beginning have wrestled with the relationship between Christian theology and and politics and. So I, I, I guess one thing I would really want want to underline, and I, you know, Tim Keller of Redeemer Presbyterian recently made this point again for the umpteenth time that, that the idea that there's some kind of clear-cut politics that comes straight out of the Bible, if that were the case, there wouldn't have been the theological disagreements for the last 2,000-plus years that there, that there have been. And so somebody tells you that, x y or z is or the, even more that this party platform is biblical you know i i'd be very careful i think they're selling you a of goods and they're they're just trying to control you
1: um i would say i'm, I'm looking over at the, the the federalist papers over here and and uh one of the i mean i, I think the, the older i get in the last few years i've just ac- come to appreciate james madison's vision of like how he thought this was going to play out because he was he was definitely an ardent proponent of, of separation, of, of, of religious liberty. Um, in many ways, he contributed all of those kinds of, you know, uh, 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 those really important, I think, claims. But one of the things that James Madison, and this is the, I mean, this is becoming my vision for like how this is supposed to work, um, James Madison really envisioned a situation in which all of us had these cross-cutting group, group memberships. Like we were just a part of different we were part of different religious groups and different uh, interest groups. They didn't like, they didn't like calling them parties, but they, you know, parties like in different kind of like groups that we were, they were, they were, they were, they were going for different goals and they were overlapping. They weren't completely stacked on one another. <laughs> and so what, what, what we have in that situation then is it, when they're all overlapping, they're all intermingled. We all have different relationships. We're all in kind of like these clubs and these social groups and these churches. What happens is like, we, we, we don't align in like this bipartisan kind of way of like the all of these people versus all of these people, because we're all in these interrelationships, it's complicated. Right. And so uh, uh, I think that's really uh, kind of important thing that I I, I want us as Americans and, and Christian Americans in particular to, to get back to is this idea that um, you know, that, that, uh, it's okay if we have, it's, it's not us versus uh, the non-Christians, right? Like that's a horrible way to think about like our citizenship as Americans. And, and like, I won't speak for Phil here, but I, I think just think speaking from my own kind of place, like, I, I think it's a, it's a really bad direction to go for Christians to feel like it's us versus the seculars or like the, uh, the outsiders or that kind of people. I think we have to recognize that like from the beginning, uh, uh, all of these different groups uh, it was it was it was the United States was built with this thought in mind that different groups and different uh, factions and parties and sects and and uh, interests would would be complicated would mix in with one another and that would that would allow us to to really check and balance one another at the very social level um, to where we wouldn't just align everybody else against everybody else like but we'd all have these kind of cross-cutting group memberships and that's what that's why I mean that's I think I want to lean into that i want i want to uh i want people to get involved in their community i want people to be not involved i want christians especially not just to be involved in everything in their church they go to school in their church they eat at chick-fil-a every day they work out at the same you know like they they only know people from their community (laughs) uh i i think you need to be embedded within your like social situation your schools your you know your neighborhood watch groups like all of these different things so that you can rub shoulders with people who think differently, that you can love them, that you can kind of learn that they're not baby eating, uh, pedophile, Satan worshiper people, you know, like they that that they want the same things as you do and that you can develop a love, a genuine love for people who are not like you. Um, I think it's a powerful that's a powerful thing that our that I mean, it's eroding in our society. Social media has contributed to that polarization uh, has contributed to that. So I think we need to get that back. Yeah.
0: Well, I know that people are going to want to, you know, keep up with you guys and get your book, the flag and the cross. Where's the best place for people to go to do all those things?
1: Uh, So I think they're out of stock on it. Uh, They're out of stock at Oxford university press, but they're still in stock at at Amazon for now. Uh, And we, we actually worked really hard to make it really inexpensive. I mean, you can get that, you can get a a new copy uh, for like 17, 16, $17. It's really inexpensive short book. We tried to make it as accessible as possible. Um. And we're both on Twitter, so you can follow us both and, and, uh, and that's, yeah, that's, that's how to access it. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast today and thanks for doing the work.
2: Thanks for having us on Caleb.
1: Yep. Thanks so much.
0: So after that conversation. I think two things uh, in particular are um, maybe three uh, here's here's a couple let me say this a couple of things that are standing out to me after that conversation and uh, after reading their book as well I think the first one is this is that this is not a new thing you know it's I think it's very tempting and i talked about this I've talked about this here on the podcast before but it's very tempting to look at what has happened. Recently, you know, even uh, today or in the last few months, the last few years and go, wow, where, where did this come from? You know, where, where's this, uh, this movement, you know, coming from that seems so new and reading throughout their book and going, oh, this is something that is not new. This has been around and, and has probably looked maybe a little bit different at times um, throughout a couple hundred years and understanding what has uh, shaped us and led uh, to kind of where things are today. I think the other thing is, is that we can't underestimate how important for us it is to talk about this stuff and uh, and to confront this stuff. Because, you know, as as I said in the interview and they talk about it in the book, um, like, we, we I hope that it isn't true, but more violence could be possible More events like uh, January 6th could be possible. And I don't mean to, uh, you know, sound alarmist, but it is important for us to recognize that, that that could be a possibility. And that's why it's important for us to, to engage in conversations like these. And I think the last thing is that how important it is for us who are followers of Jesus and you may not be. And that's, and that's okay. But particularly for, for those of us who are followers of Jesus to realize that that is not the way, like that is not the way of Jesus. The way of violence is not the way the way of, um, when at all costs is not the way of Jesus. And thinking about How can we become more familiar with who he is and how can we lead the way with love, with loving our neighbor as ourselves and loving and even loving the people that we do not agree with and caring for them and engaging in respectful conversation with them and and in some case honoring them as well and at the very least honoring the humanity and that because as followers of jesus you know if you are one we believe that everyone is made in the image of god no matter who they are no matter what opinion or perspective they may hold and so that's just a couple of things that i'm thinking about from this conversation if you have stuff that really hit you or you have ideas or subjects or someone that you would love us to talk with here on the podcast please reach out to me at learners corner podcast at gmail.com and uh if you enjoyed this episode please leave a rating write a review of the podcast that helps us spread the word um, and continue to have uh continue to expand um just the example of engaging in in conversations like this as well and yeah i think that's all that i have for today i do want to say thanks to sam massey for providing the music for this podcast thank you to sam and to phil for being on the learner's corner and thank you for listening all the way to the end of the episode my name is kayla mason and until next time keep learning and keep growing